We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you think that because people are so bored trying to build such unique lineups that, you know, everyone in their search for the best, best ball lineup, is it gone too far now? I mean, I, I see some lineups out there that are just, I mean, you just know they're bad lineups, but hey, you know, it could be that like one needle in a haystack. It, in your opinion, and, I, and you could push back on this, has lineup and roster construction gotten too far away from the basics? Well, I, I'll say that at time, you know, the justification is, well, this can win. Well, yeah, and Martians could invade tomorrow. <laughs> that doesn't mean that's how I'm going to plan my life, right? Um, you know, and, and the the worst one that I've seen lately, and some very smart people doing it, is the one at the onesies, right? And 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 I'm going to back out a bit before I I even discuss that and say. Every site is different, right? I Most of my money goes into the FFPC. On the FFPC, uh, 17% of the teams advance, uh, 17% make it to week 16, and 25% make it to week 17. Right. And then there's 73 teams in the final week. I don't feel much pressure at all to differentiate, right? I still want to stack I do want to correlate week 17 because all the money's up top. But and and on underdog, I, I do want to, to uh, experiment more than I would on the FFPC. But one Z at the one Z position, not only do you have to get to the playoffs, which I think your chances are lower, because if that player even misses two, three games, you're probably not going to advance. But then that person, that one person has to give you at two different positions, has to give you elite outcomes just to get you to week 17. And then week 17, they have to give you a week outline. There's I get being fragile. I even understand hyper fragile. But at a certain point, I agree with you. You've left. You're like Wiley Coyote. You've left the the ground in in pursuit of something that you're never going to catch yeah so a lot of references in there that i want to uh, untangle a little bit there the wiley coyote one amazing you know he, he goes off the cliff and he's he's still walking and there's nothing underneath him but um 
just for those that might be newer to best ball, the onesie positions that Todd's talking about are tight end and quarterback, where you only need to start one quarterback and one tight end. Of course, in most of the best ball contests, it's two running backs, uh, two to three receivers, and of course, a couple flexes, depending on the format that you're playing. And you know, most uh, most best ball builds are going to consist of at least two players at those onesie positions. I like how you phrase that, and sometimes even three. And then we'll get into some more exotic builds that have four. Do you ever play in? contained leagues meaning like you put in your five ten dollars twenty five dollars to do a, a, a league of 12 and it, there's no overall contest uh, component that do you still do you play any of those or you're all no. overall contest at this point no so you know you have to decide what you want out of the hobby right um i go back to mfl tens where the that was the only game in town and you know i ground out some nice profits but you know, like if I put in two grand into MFL tens and I made three grand, I felt really good about myself, but it didn't change my life at all. Right. It's like the cash I, game versus tournament and DFS a little correct. bit, right? Uh, my goal every year is to at least break even and then go into that last week with one team that has a shot at life changing money. That's that's what I'm in it for. The FFPC also pays. 300 for advancing on a 125 team. So I've got a seven, you know, so if I do a hundred teams and I get a 30% pass through, it's not easy, but I've been close the last two years. I've made nine of my, I mean, I've made, I've made nine of my 12, five back without even having to get teams through the next week. Right. So I think you have to admit, you know, Find what works for you and your budget, and you have to decide what it is you want out of this. But for me, I'm 60 years old. You know, I, I would like life-changing money. Yeah, the other piece, of it, yeah, and that, that I think is an important piece. Like, what do you specifically want out of it? Like, another um, utility of best ball is that it gives you a relative real – snapshot of what ADP will be for your seasonal leagues, right? I remember, I mean, you talked about MFL 10. Do you remember the days of having to go mock draft on like ESPN or mock draft? Do you on remember mock... Ant Sports? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was the moderator of their draft board around the turn of the century. Explain what that is. for, for Ant, the... Ant Sports was a website back in the day that you could, that were, that had fantasy football leagues and they had mock drafts. Well, they were an abomination because Three people would invariably just not, you know, after the first five rounds, not draft. Or even worse, someone would take like a kicker and pick three overall just to screw with the draft and then leave. You know, like you have saboteurs involved in these things. Yeah, And and so I, um, you know, I used to gather people I trusted to do mock drafts with. The problem was you also tended to compete against those guys Mm. in season long leagues. But yeah, um, I mean, best ball started out as a little bit of that for me. But I think the bigger story with that is that when we first get into fantasy football, it's like a drug, right? And you want more and more of that drug. But what happens is then you have to, you know, you 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 wake up, uh, you know, from your stupor and you have to manage fifty, you know, eight to ten teams. And it's a grind and you can get burnt out. So I always call best ball the one night stand of fantasy football. 
you you know you can have as much fun as you want without any of the responsibility mm. but it has become more than that it, it it was at one point you know with the mfl 10s kind of a conduit to being ready for season long but it's morphed so much and the strategies have changed so much that best ball doesn't help me as much for season long as it used to because the ADPs do right. tend to be very different. The strategies, you know, in a, if I'm playing, you know, in a league, you know, if I take a top quarterback, I'm not taking another quarterback in a season long, but I am in a best ball. So um, it helps. It helps you to get a sense of the uh, ADP and things like that. But it's not as helpful as it once was for me. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because basically even single quarterback best ball leagues are more like quasi superflex, or I'll call them two quarterback leagues because everyone's drafting a minimum of two quarterbacks. Where in your home league, seasonal league, if you t- even take like you know QB nine, let's say like Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott. You're not taking another quarterback in a semi-sophisticated league. I know, like in you know your office league, where people that just don't even pay attention, yeah, they're going to take like two or three quarterbacks, thinking they can trade them. But so that that does make a lot of sense, right there. Um, it, it it also it matters a lot about how many um, rounds are in your draft. If there's 16 rounds, then you don't have room for another quarterback. If it's 18 or 20 rounds, well, at a certain point, maybe the values there. Like I, I in the hard way draft, I ended up taking Kyler Murray in like the seventeenth round, uh, because there was no one else there that I really felt was better. Right, um, right. Like, but, like you're gonna if you're gonna drop your seventeenth round pick anyway after for a hot free agent, you might as well. What if the news miraculously he has like a Adrian Peterson levels ACL recovery, and all of a sudden you have QB five right. in a, val- a valuable asset as a backup. Yeah. So. This is the part, this is one of the, I have like questions that I just can't get answered about best ball. So who better to turn to? I mean, you're a best ball expert. You're, um, you know, a a heavy presence on Twitter with it. Uh, You're playing a lot. I mean, there's no better experience than than playing. So it's even in the name. Right, right. At best ball NFL. Uh, That's true. I mean, once you put it in your name, you have to be a a pro at it. But here's really my question. So in underdog, which is half PPR. It's just counterintuitive that it's wide receiver heavy, meaning if you've been in an underdog draft, wide receivers almost they get pushed up so far that running backs that would go in like round three of your home league draft going around like six running backs that go around five going around eight and nine. I mean, it's that much of a difference. I mean, I know the, the running back pool is not as appealing except for maybe one or two options near the top. But it's gone to a point now where, I mean, if the format was full PPR, sure, no problem. But in a format that historically favors running backs, you know, pass, uh, non-pass catchers, why are wide receivers getting pushed up the board in underdogs specifically? Well, because you've got to start three of them and you've got a flex. And most guys think of wide receiver for the flex, not running back. Um, also, what's happened is, the running back position has evolved over the years where, you know, where we used to have 20 teams or more giving guys 300 carries. A lot of those guys would also still get 40, 50 uh, catches. Nowadays running back has become a bit of a commodity 
And so teams use two and three guys. And you think to yourself, well, you know, that uh, that wide receiver two that you mentioned, he's going to be on the field every play. So it, also with running backs getting injured more than at other positions, there's more value at taking running back later because if you get an injury, now you've got really high-level wide receivers and high-level running backs. So I think it's a little bit of that. And then also mixed in a little bit is the zero RB cult. And I don't know that your people know about the zero RB cult, but there have been certain sites that talked about how valuable wide receivers are. And, and you know, they to be fair, they had facts to prove them. But, the, but what you run into now is with wide receiver being so expensive, if you don't get them, you can't make it up later. So it's kind of a – it puts drafters in difficult situations. And that's why I like to do a lot of volume because then I can do a variety of builds to try and, based on that draft board, make the best teams. Because ultimately, you know – if, if you have six good running backs, you know, and you you could blow and, and you get lucky at wide receiver, you can be successful too. The guy who won best ball mania last year is a famous guy who was zero running back and he had started with two running backs in his million dollar team. Yeah, you're talking about Pat Kareem. That's why I was saying is the great irony of this whole thing is Pat Kareem, who won Best Ball Mania 3, whatever it was, the couple million bucks, started with Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley and also drafted in June where, you know, I, I've heard a lot of like, hey, you must draft later on. You must draft in August. So it, it really defied everything that <laughs> that was the, you know, the, the conventional wisdom. The other thing that you talked about with zero running back, Zero running back was first made popular by the success of Sean Siegel, who won, I think it was like an NFFC contest, you know, I mean, a high stakes uh, seasonal where you, you draft wide receivers early in the age of where running backs went the first 20 picks, but you can get one injury away running backs later on through the waiver wire. In best ball, there's no waiver wire. So really, I just want to come back to this question, is that you identified that there's not a lot of 300-touch running backs available. Doesn't that make them even—isn't the strategy then, my head would tell me, get two of those guys early because the problem with drafting wide receivers later in best ball is that you just never know. Like if you have Jamar Chase and he has three bad weeks, you're still starting him in seasonal. But if Tyler Lockett has three bad weeks, you get him in round six— you're benching him, and then he goes off on your bench. You don't have to worry about that. So I, instinctively, my head tells me, get Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb or you know two of those guys, and then load up on wide receivers that are more volatile because I'll never have that, oh, my God, should I start them this week problem. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a very, very fair way of looking at it. Now, you know, numbers, you know, Hayden Winks has done great work. Other people have done great work. That it, the wide receiver thing is justified. Okay. That being said, you know, uh, this is an old reference way before my time. Uh, there was an old baseball player named Wee Willie Keeler who, who famously said, I hit him where they ain't. Right. Um, you know, when, when the crowd goes in a certain direction, there's always going to be value at seeing where, where they left and what can be done there. 
The issue you run into is I love running backs all the way through like the 11th, 12th round. So, you know, I don't like taking a first round running back. I do like taking a second round running back because I think the wide receivers that have been pushed up there, like Chris Olav, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, are have holes, right? Um, so I'm not going to pass too often on a Barkley, a Taylor, a Chubb for one of those guys. But I love Aaron Jones, uh, Damian Pierce. I mean, there's so many good running backs later that if I get one good running back in the second and the third round, that I can build a really good running back room with really good wide receivers. I also am a big fan of late tight end this year. Um, So again, it's about ultimately fantasy football is about putting up the most points, not having the most of a certain position. So if you think you've found a way to justify drafting two running backs early, and that's what you want to do and you want to go heavy at it, I think that has just as much chance of winning, if not more, than what the crowd is doing. Right. That's the zig while other was zag. You know, you said it a lot more eloquently eloquently than I did. Um, Todd, I got a question for you before we continue here. This podcast is always, the Rotowire podcast is sponsored by Circa Las Vegas. Have you been out to Las Vegas in the last five years, three years or so? Not the last couple years. I right. used to be a sales rep and I used to go out there for luggage shows all the time. There you go. So uh, Circa Las Vegas, the Rotowire annual trip is there. And it, I mean, this is like the sports betting mecca of the world. It's The hotel is only like a handful of years old, but right now they're running a contest where it's the ultimate fantasy football draft that only could take place in Las Vegas at Circa Resort and Casino. They want to bring your whole league out there, Todd, to have uh, this amazing fantasy football draft experience giveaway. Bring your 12-team league for a two-night stay at Circa and have the draft at a cabana swim-up, plus limo transportation to and from the airport, a welcome party at the Legacy Club, a booth at the world's most large sport, large sports book, and much more. A prize package worth over 8000 bucks. There's no better place to draft than Circa 21 and up. Go to CircaLasVegas.com for more information. I'll put a link in the audio and video description. I've told everyone in my leagues to go and enter this contest. It's free to enter. And like I said, you, you know, you, they give you the, the, the treatment out there. So if you, you love it, drafting. It's, as they say, a no-brainer. There you go. It is definitely a no-brainer. Now, there's a couple states where it's not valid. Florida is one of them where I am. That's why I've told all my league mates to enter. Um, and if you're in 10, 15, 30 leagues, I'm in 41, including all my dynasty leagues, go for it. Uh, have you ever played? Are you a dynasty guy at all? Because now I'm getting a bit more into the best ball dynasty scene a little bit. I'm, I'm just dipping into this. This is new for me. Dynasty, I've been playing for years, but best ball dynasty. Uh, just curious, have you played in any of these? I mean, I, I, I used to be heavy into it. I am down to two dynasty teams. Smart. It's a, it's a combination of not wanting to split my focus and the fact that what I was best at in the old days was trading. And with all the trade calculators and all, you know, it's either it's either you can't get a reasonable deal or nobody wants to trade. And, you know, that was my edge. And so I feel I have more of an edge with best ball and I stick to it. Right, and there's no trading in best ball, obviously. There, um, the the thing with dynasty, the the reason I would argue that um, the trade, there's more trading now that I've seen than there has been in a while, and the reason is is that 
a trade that could happen in Dynasty can't happen in redrafts, right? Because you'll trade a highly productive old player like a Keenan Allen, right? For a young guy that hasn't popped yet or like a first round rookie pick or second, sorry, second round rookie pick, something like that. So you'll see old for young guys that never in a million years would those trades go down. Usually in in uh, like seasonal leagues, it's you have to find a running back that you have a, a excess supply of or someone else has an excess supply of wide receivers. It's usually cross positionally you make a trade. Here, that it still exists in Dynasty, but it also can be done with age differences. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll get you back into the Dynasty scene a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you got me over to that other site to play a 350 yeah. season long, and I don't play much season long anymore either. Well, we like having, so what you're referring to is there's an NFFC uh, high stakes $350 entry draft that's going off on July 27th. We're going to have it on the Rotowire uh, YouTube page. Todd, you participated last year. Not well, but I participated. You were there. You got your participation. I think you, I think you finished in the top 12 last year. Yes. Yeah. Barely. Oh, oh. <laughs> Over a 12-person league. But I know you're a good player. I wanted you to have a, a – and I enjoy competing with you. I think you're a good personality. I think you're a good spirit, a good energy for any league. And that's why you know I continually invited you. And by the way, you're always allowed to turn me down. Never feel pressure. Not that you would. but uh, And that's going to be broadcast. And you're more than welcome – I'm inviting all the participants to pop on the stream, you know, during, after, whatever you want. It's more about that it's a different system. You know, I play mostly on the FFPC, which mm -hmm. is tight and premium. And um, and they have the third round reversal, which I've never played before. NFFC has third round reversal. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the one that you have has mm -hmm. third round, uh, which I've never done before. So uh, playing against a bunch of killers in a format that you've never done before uh, but, you know, last year, let's face it, I didn't lose because of any of that. I lost no. because, as you as you so quaintly put in uh, chat, I, I literally hit every landmine possible. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, you, you, had a, was, you, you drafted good players at good values. They just not like usually one or two of them work out. I mean, literally none of them worked out like the Michael Thomas and, the you know, all those who were a couple of those other guys from last year. Well, I had Lamb. I had Dak who got hurt week right. one. And I never had a quarterback the rest of the time. I don't remember. I I yeah. blocked most of it. <laughs> good, um, good for you. It took me like four weeks to even figure out the waiver system. So I, you know, and every week by the time I remembered that I had to do waivers in that league, they were already done. And mm. so I, you know, I just got myself in a hole that I couldn't get out of. I'll remind you. I'll be a good league mate since no, I'm hosting. Yeah, and I, 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 I mean, I, I, I'm doing even less. Last year, I did about twelve season longs, a bunch of FFPCs with a guy you probably know, Biplop Mandel. And this year, I'm doing like the I, the hard way draft was already done, and I think I'm going to do four main events over there and your league. I think that's it. Yeah, keep it at that. Do you play any Superflex best ball? I'm talking about, you know, normal best ball. No. Like, so not, I, when I, you... I mean, I didn't even play DraftKings last year because I feel like, in it, you know, your sense of ADP, your sense of value is a fine-tuned instrument. And the more that you spread that out, the harder it becomes. FFPC has a $35 Superflex tourney. I think that'll be my next year thing that I will, because you have to put in the work to, to understand the format or you're not going to be successful. And I felt like this year I still had so much I wanted to take to the next level in just my regular best ball 
that um, I, I, it, it, there was no room for it. So you play FFPC. Do you you play a good amount of underdog? Obviously, I see you post all the time. I mean, I'll I'll have probably three four hundred teams on underdog. Last year it was more like eight hundred, um, but I've added uh, 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 DraftKings this year, and I'll I'll max out that milli milli uh, for fifty. You know, you give me a ten dollar milli fifteen hundred, and I played uh, I've played DFS on DraftKings forever, so it's not that much of a difference for me to get my mind on how to do that. Yeah, with DraftKings, you, you hear a lot of times that the ADP is soft. One, what does that mean? And two, is it true? I think it was true last year. I'm not seeing it as much this year. I, 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 you know, I still every once in a while see a tweet saying, look at how soft the ADP is. But you're not seeing the, the, those teams, you know. You're but, not. But seeing... what do they mean by soft? Explain. I mean, I well, think I, I know mean, what it means, but what does it actually mean? Basically, on DraftKings, you had a lot of people who had never played best ball before, and they were, you know, and, and it, 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 by soft it means that you could build monster teams. And I'm finding a lot less of that this year, but I don't like that whole concept. Because what you don't realize is only two out of 12 teams advance. If there's four or five really awful teams, you would think that would make your chances of advancing even better. But even reasonably smart people can take a value if it's sitting in front of them, right? So those five or six teams that were left were all monster teams and only two of them would advance. I like the fact where there's ADP is pretty efficient because I feel that that makes me better at finding values where anyone can find values if they're staring you in the face. What do you think the biggest mistake that best ball players make in 2023, even the experienced ones? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think that the biggest mistake people make in best ball is they don't account enough for the risk of injury. So I talk a lot about how I tend not to have more than 25% of any player and any more than 15% on guys in the first two rounds. When you do projections, the difference between a guy you like in a round and a guy you don't like in a round is maybe 30, 40 points over the course of a whole season. That's two points a week. If that player that you love so much breaks a leg and misses the season, now you're down 15 points a week, right? So I don't think that the average player, even the smart players, build in the the risk of injury enough. Are you managing in real time your ownership percentages? Meaning like, okay, oh my God, I got 27% Joe Mixon. That's way too much. I only wanted 16%. And then do you actively take other players just to get that? I guess really the here's a better way to phrase it. How do you manage your rostership percentages, your ownership percentages as you're moving through best ball season? You're doing such a large volume of them. Well, I uh, on FFPC, I'm constantly checking it. Uh, not constantly, but I'm checking. You know, I, I have a pretty good sense of what it is. But every once in a while, I'll go through it. For underdog and DraftKings, I use a, 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 a site called Spike Week. They have an overlay. And I'm actually able to see how much I own of every player while I'm on the board. So, but back to your Joe Mixon 35% thing. Um, I typically don't end up in those situations to begin with because I'm always mixing based on different criteria, right? Uh, what do you right mean by now, that? I've, like, got like, about thir- I've got about 30 for 35% Tajay Spears, and I'm perfectly content with that because I think he's still way underpriced. And that once camp comes out and we see him doing what he does, I'm not going to get him where I'm getting him anymore. Right, so it's so, going to naturally come down because he's going to move up. I got you. Okay, and that's... as the season goes, like, okay, uh, in early best ball, I had a, a crap ton of Tony Pollard. He was in the third round. It was a ridiculous misprice. So I was, you know, I might have been 35 40% on him at a certain point. And then as his ADP goes down. So there, there's all these factors. The values tend not to stay there. The, the real even the really good values that you know once people start doing their research that I did right away and they're posting it the, the values tend to go away so a lot of it occurs naturally and then at times I will use it as a tiebreaker um I'll especially early like if I'm a, if I got pick one one I'll go because I've got chase and Jefferson virtually in a tie. But I also know that I might get chased sometimes at three and at four, and I've even gotten them at five. So I'll look and I'll say, like, right now I'm like 15, on one site, I'm like 15% Jefferson and 6% Chase. So the next time I get the 1 1, maybe I'll take a Chase share because the difference between those two isn't 
enough to justify both the chance of injury and where I have them rated. Um, but you know, that's, that, that's an ongoing process. But if I think a guy is the right pick and I own a lot of them, there's nobody else in the queue. I'm not going to take a guy I don't like just to to manage my uh, exposure. Right. So what you're saying is that you're only, you're looking at these exposures, but you don't mind an exposure being overweight. You know, I put that in air quotes because that just means basically what you're comfortable with if they're the right value, because you know, those values are changing. So I mean, do you set out and say like, hey, I, I like, how do you even know what the right percentages are? Like if you see uh, again, are you, uh, let's say someone who goes Aaron Jones, you brought him up. I mean, is what's the right percentage of Aaron Jones? His ADP isn't changing. It's staying where it is. It's so it hasn't moved. It's not going to move. Right. Unless something amazing happens. A.J. Dillon is out for the year. But other than that, like, how do you know what the right percentages are? So if someone listening to this that wants to start a portfolio how do they manage that, those percentages? Well, you, you have to, you know, the right answer is failure. You know, a lot of what I've learned, I've learned through success and often failure. Um, but you, you could ask yourself this question, you know, look at the other players. Like I just did it with Jamar Chase and with Justin Jefferson. Consider the chance that that guy is going to stay healthy and do well versus the chance the other guy's going to stay healthy and do well. And do you really want, you know, uh, who's the other running back that goes right next to Aaron Jones all the time? Um, uh, you talk, and Damian Pierce, I mean. Well, Pierce was at one point, but there's another one. Hold on one sec. I'll look it up. Yeah, and while you're doing that, it's, you know, then we'll, let me just reset for everybody. Alan Soslowski of RotoWire.com, along with Todd Burrows. And Todd is a best ball expert. Normally, this is a dynasty-focused podcast, but I wanted to take a break because from that, switch over to best ball just for an episode, Todd, because I just think that the best ball drafting can really help people in their dynasty startup. And it's not having to do with, like, which player specific takes. It's really about, like, the roster construction. And as more people are building these, you know, no one does one dynasty league anymore. People, besides you, you only do two. But people do 10. They do 15. But that's because I have about 800 best ball teams. That's my point. But I'm talking about dynasty heads that there's people, right. uh, you know, that, that go into the portfolio model yep. of – Dynasty. So I think that there's lessons to be learned from how you construct your rosters, from everything from these percentages that we're talking about to you know positions that could translate into any style of drafting, specifically Dynasty. So back to what you were saying there, you were making yep. you were so, talking. So uh, once I get any format, once I get above 25 teams, I start thinking about exposure. All right. I think about it a little bit. Like if I have 12, 13 like last year, I think I had 12 or 13 season-long teams. I thought about it a little, right? It was part of my thought process. Uh, but once you get above like 25 or 30, absolutely, this stuff matters. So uh, Dobbins goes right near Aaron Jones. Now, I like both of them. And I like Damian Pierce, especially on half PPR. Um, so, you know... You know, I mean, to me, and there's also wide receivers I like there. So, you know, I probably won't have more than 15% Aaron Jones, even though I like him. Um, But it's a constant uh, practice is the answer. The more you practice, the more you fine tune any instrument. And this, uh, but the only way to do it is to start 
and to then study what you've got and ask yourself good questions. And the best question you can ask yourself is, all right, how much more do I like player A than player B? What does that mean from a statistical perspective? What is the chance of injury and how that will affect what my, my, my profit and loss statement at the end of the year might be? And, and, and come up with, like I said, you know, I don't have a 7 8% difference between Jefferson and Chase. If I get a chance to narrow that a bit, I'm going to do it. If it's 4 or 5%, I'm going to continue taking Jefferson because I don't know that how many more first choices I'm going to get. Um, and so, again, right. it's a balance. So, and, and, you know, I was just thinking because we were talking about our season-long league that we're going to be doing together on the NFFC, you won't let, we, I don't want you to give away your strategy, but roster percentages in your other portfolios won't affect how you do there. You'll just take the guys that you like and the roster that you decide to build based on the rules, right? Yeah. Even if I'm doing four main events, let's say I was doing eight to 10, um, eight to 10 season long leagues and I'm doing one on the, uh, on, on NFFC. Yeah. Right. And, Let's say we're not drafting in July. We're drafting the day before the season, and I know what my other 10 exposures are. The only time with that limited amount of, uh, of leagues that it would matter is if I was at, already at a toss-up between two guys. Right. Player okay. A and player B, I'm trying to decide which one to take, and I know I have four teams with player A and zero with player B. I'll take player B. Other than that, if I like a guy more, I, uh, for season long, I want to go to to war with the horses I believe in. Yeah. All right. That makes a lot of sense. The uh, I want to ask you about some specific player takes at this point because, you know, you know the player pool. Like, I bet you I could take away your cheat sheet right now. You'd be able to draft because you know the ADP. I don't um, draft with the cheat sheet. Right. Well, I'm saying I would take right. away the queue. If I put the players in alphabetical oh, yeah, order. Oh, yeah. Without the queue, yeah, that uh, yeah. that would be a problem. Do you know about the FFPC bare knuckles draft? You've heard of this? I, I have. Yeah, with the no cheat sheet, that's that would be interesting. I, again, it's I feel like I could do that, but you get into the room, the lights are on. It, it would be interesting. I know so, I could have done it twenty years ago. The <laughs> way my memory is these days, I, I don't I don't know that I because I, I thought about it. Well, the bare knuckles right? draft for everybody knows there's no cheat sheet. It's a bun, It's like a you know high stakes draft. You go in there, you just have to do it from memory. Right. So if you, um, if you can't remember if a guy's still available, you can't pick him. That is so sick. That is, oh, but you see the board, right? Like you see that da- someone yeah. put in the seven, sixth round, Dalvin Cook put. All right. So I want to ask you about some specific player takes. Yep. Uh, I I've been in a couple. You know, it, it, I want to say um, not expert leagues. What do you call it? Analyst leagues. And I, I've been taking Bijan Robinson as the first running back off the board. I understand, like the you know people are going to want Christian McCaffrey, maybe even Austin Eckler there. Uh, some might even prefer Jonathan Taylor over him, but. You know, we, we've seen, it's just like, to me, it seems kind of obvious that Bijan is a defensible pick anytime that, well, you like both Chase and Jefferson. I was just going to say after Justin Jefferson's off the board. So because Arthur Smith, you know, the comparison with Derrick Henry, the draft pedigree, all yeah, I mean, you know all the cases for. Where are you on Bijan Robinson? What's the highest that you would take him? And, well, let's start with that question. Well, I've, I, I'm, I'm at 6% ownership on him, so I'm under under um, a lot of that is the opportunity cost that we talked about at wide receiver. I think that the pro Bijan people are not 
accounting enough for how successful Tyler Algier was last year and are assuming that he is going to disappear. I've been buying a ton of Algier lately because in best ball, I don't have to pick when I start him. And I think he's going to get five to eight carries a game. Um, I think he could be the goal line guy. He was, he, you know, they have a great offensive line. And um, he was very efficient last year. And if Bijan gets hurt, he could absolutely crush this year. Bijan's a guy that I don't want to have zero of because he could be the final answer. But I think that Arthur Smith definitely ran more last year because he didn't trust Marcus Mariota. And he ran a little less when Ritter was behind center the last couple of weeks. So I can tell myself a couple stories where Bijan is going a little bit too high. In early best ball, when he was going 10th to like 2-3, 2-4, I was taking him. I was getting um, Bijan in the NFFC early best balls in, the, in like the early third round. I mean, it was oh, it was. I, I, might need to, I might need to play best ball there then. Yeah, I'm telling year. you. Yeah, in the NFF, in the MF, it's there may be they're a little slower to adapt because I mean there's, the underdog ADP is sharp as hell. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, talk about softer ADP. It, it, fe- it's sharp within a position, but there are big advantages, and I wrote about this in an article. Every year, position groups move up, and other position mo- groups move down, and people are not as sharp with that. What do you mean? Explain that. That's an interesting thought. So, so like right now, wide receiver is up here, right? And running back is more like here. Okay. The year before maybe was like this. And so, so So for the audio audience, explain what you're saying up here down. They can't see what you're talking about. Oh, okay. So (laughs) basically wide receivers are coming off the board very high and there's a lot more value in running back. Okay. So that might not end up being efficient. Right. Last year, quarterbacks fell. You know, and you could get Mahomes in the fourth, fifth round. That wasn't efficient. Okay, the 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 best quarterbacks should have gone higher. They didn't. That's what I mean by efficient. uh, That that ADP is efficient within a group. You Mm. know, it's rare that you find a guy who is the third guy off the board who should be going eighth or right. vice so versa. I want to make sure I understand. So even though Mahomes was QB three, that's fine. But he went two rounds later than he probably, he outproduced his ADP by like four rounds last year. Exactly. Okay. And so I spend a lot of time analyzing where I think the values are in draft because ultimately what's going to win leagues is putting the most value on your team, Right. In other words, so if I know there's a dead zone for wide receivers after Elijah Moore goes in the eighth round and that that value doesn't catch back up at wide receiver to the 15th round, that's going to make me want to draft more wide receivers before that dead zone because I know that I'm getting really good quarterbacks, really good wide receivers. I mean, running backs and even a couple tight ends I like in that range where the wide receivers are dead. In the past, the running back dead zone was around four to six. People pushed up running backs, not because they deserved to be there, but because they needed a running back. That's an inefficiency that is still out there. And there always will be because 
human nature is to overreact to what happened last year. Okay. A couple lightning round questions and then we'll wrap this up, Todd. Yep. Um, Derek Henry, I see him drip into like the late second round. It used to be early third round. It's creeping up. Uh, are you drafting Derek Henry in your best ball dress? Uh, well, I draft everyone, but he's I'm way underweight on him. And Tajay Spears is my number one owned player. Well, that's why I so, asked about him. Um, you know, and that's another really cool strategy you can think about is if you're fading a guy at uh, ADP that's early, well, often that means someone else on his team is going to outproduce. Um, you might want to consider taking his, if you think someone who's a starter is inefficient or old, taking their backup because that guy's the most likely guy. And it's kind of like doubling down on your thought on the early guy. Some of my favorite, um, you know, discussion points in best ball are those late round guys, the round 15 through 18 players. I remember getting AJ Brown his rookie year. That was won me a couple of my, you know, my 12 person leagues. First, what position group do you tend to target in those later rounds? And give us one player that we should probably pay a little bit more attention to and add to our best ball portfolio in those later rounds as well. Tight end, I love Isaiah Likely and Jelani Woods. I'm always looking for really talented players who are going that late because they're blocked by another player or we're not sure if they're going to have the role that they should. Jelani Woods is a freak of nature. He, 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 if, if, if he ended up being a tight end three to five between this year or next year, I wouldn't be shocked. Isaiah Likely is another very talented guy. And everyone assumes that Todd Munkin's only going to play one tight end at a time. What if he plays two? And then what if Mark Andrews gets hurt? So those are two guys, um, that I really like late at those positions. One more guy that just popped into my head since you were talking about Ravens. Where do you want Rashad Bateman? I was on him pretty heavily in the 10th round until I got that bad news about his foot again. Um, I've just learned that when you start hearing bad news about a guy coming off of an injury, it's time to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. All right, he's Todd Burrows at Best Ball NFL. You can follow him as I do. Todd, tell everybody about. I know they can they can find all your work on your Twitter, but get them excited about it because I, I love reading your stuff. Tell them where they can find it and what you're working on right now. Yep, I do a weekly Best Ball podcast for Sharp Football Analysis. I've had just amazing guests on. I just recorded with Dwayne McFarland. I had Mike Leone on, Justin Herzig, Liam Murphy, two guys who won the. Uh, the big money in it. Um, What's so the name of the could, podcast? Uh, the Sharp Best Ball Show. So if they search that in their in their Apple Podcast or Spotify, yeah. it comes up. Yep, and and you can find it on at Best Ball NFL. I'll always punch up the you know uh, the links in my uh, in my uh, on my Twitter. All right. If you have any questions about any of the strategies or players that we talked about, you can DM Todd. He loves talking to people on Twitter. You can DM myself. We're happy to answer. Until then, get into some best ball leagues, right? If you need, if you have uh, questions as you're going along while the timer's on, uh, ask us about it. And just remember, something that Todd said was really important is that you have to do this. You have to fail. You have to see what works. And, you know, do a lot of teams. I mean, you can get into some best ball teams for three bucks now. They don't have five dollars. I mean, the, uh, the 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 barrier to entry is so low. So and it's just fun. Who doesn't love to draft? All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Doors, doors, the sun goes down.